Wow. Well, good morning, church. There we go. Hey, you know the reason why we're here this morning? For one reason. The tomb is empty, the throne is occupied, and Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you so much for… I was beginning to wonder how I was going to do this, but it, it, it appeared. So, it is so good to be back with you. Uh, we were here last year, and I think the year before that, every time I come, it seems like Blake and Lindsay are expecting another child. So. Uh, I don't, maybe y'all can sit him down and talk to him. But anyway, uh, it is so good to be back with you guys. Uh, my name is Scott, uh, as Blake told you. I'm an evangelist from Birmingham, been here all my life, love the state of Alabama. Been crisscrossing it here a lot lately, but we have an evangelistic association. We do everything from student conferences to senior conferences and uh, everything in between. We do a work with the Major League Baseball teams. We're going to be with the Kansas City Royals. In fact, be with them Tuesday. We're doing a kickoff luncheon for our event. We do, uh, after the game, we bring out a stage, we have some testimonies, and I share the gospel, and then we have a concert. And the first time we ever worked with the Kansas City Royals, I was, I'm just, I don't mind telling you, I was scared to death. First time I'd ever been in a major league stadium presenting the gospel, and we had a guy named Josh Hamilton. At that time, he was it with Major League Baseball. He was the star, and he was giving his testimony, and he was about to turn it over to me, and I knew I had about five minutes to share the gospel, or people were going to begin to leave, and I was going to preach to ankles and elbows as they were going out to the parking lot. And so I was listening to every word he gave, and I was so ready to, to go and preach the gospel. And about that time, I had one of our team members walk up to me, and it had rained the night before, and he said, Scott, they're not allowing us to have people respond on the field. If they want to know Jesus, they have to go out to right, uh, uh, right field in those bleachers, and that's where we're going to have counseling. And I was like, got it, got it, got it. And about that time, Josh Hamilton introduced me. I got up, and as you can tell, I talked fast anyway, but that night I was flying. I gave them everything I could about the gospel, and I got down to the point of invitation, and I walked them through the prayer, and I, I said, tonight, tonight, if this is real, real in your life. You want Jesus in your life. I want you to meet. And about that time, I had, for the first time, looked out in right field, and that's when I discovered Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City in right field has the world's largest Budweiser sign I've ever seen. And have you ever been going so fast your mouth is ahead of your brain? And so the next phrase that came out of my mouth is, if you want Jesus, I want you to go to the Budweiser tent right now. And, and it just kept on, I couldn't stop it. It was the next phrase. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, this Bud's for you. I want you to meet us out there. And, and, and that night we had over 300 people come to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Now, I don't know if some went just to get a taste, but anyway, they got there and they got Jesus. And I'm telling you, wherever people are, the gospel must be shared. Amen? It is too good of a story for this world who is searching and hurting for us to keep it to ourselves. And as I've been traveling around the country, uh, I've just kind of discovered something. People are beginning to wonder, what's the message of Christianity? We're coming up on the Easter season, and people are beginning to wonder, why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? We all know it's a historical fact. Jesus died on the cross. There's no doubt about that. But a lot of people are wondering, why did Jesus die on the cross? And so, this morning, I'm going to ask you to take your Bible. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter 10. And as we turn there, we're going to catch the writer here in mid-sentence. And for, uh, uh, for those of you who are taking 
taking notes basically today. It is, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? What type of a death was Jesus on the cross? And it's, I've just really just got some notes written here in my Bible. And as we catch the writer in mid-sentence, I'm going to ask you to do something that I ask people wherever I am to do. And that is, as we turn our attention to God's holy, inspired, and errant word, would you stand with me in the recognition and honoring to God's Word? You're, you're, we're not standing for a preacher. We're not standing for a denomination. We're standing for the Word of God. L listen to what the writer says, and I, I look down in verse 11. He says, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Now look in Hebrews 10, verse 17, one of my favorite verses of Scripture. The writer says, then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Will you pray with me? Father, our heads are bowed, our hearts are open. We, we, we are gathered in this house this morning. So many needs and situations, circumstances and issues, it, it literally goes beyond human comprehension. But you're aware of each of our needs. So God, it's our prayer this morning, you meet us right where our need begins and bring us to where we really need to be. I pray for those of us in this room that need a word of encouragement, a word of inspiration, a word of challenge. And God, the lives that need to be changed, only you can do it. So it's our prayer that you show up and you show off for your glory. Throughout everything, we're going to give you the praise and the honor because, quite frankly, you're the only one in this room who's worthy of it. And we pray our prayer in the name that is above every other name, Jesus Christ. Lord. Amen. Thank you. Maybe seated. Appreciate you standing for God's Word. Well, this morning, um, I was actually just kind of going through some notes, and I was like, you know, why in the world did Jesus have to die on the cross? And I believe the writer here gives us the different aspects of Jesus dying on the cross. Like I said earlier, we're, we're approaching this Easter season. You're going to hear messages after messages, but everybody goes, okay, I know Jesus died on the cross, but why did Jesus have to die on the cross? I, I want you to keep your Bibles open this morning, if you will, and just let's walk through this passage very quickly, okay? Start with me down in verse 12, and listen to what the writer says. He says, but this man, talking about Christ Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. If you have a pen or a pencil or uh, whatever you have to write with, if you would underline that word, sacrifice, because the first aspect of Jesus dying on the cross is it is a sacrificial death. And when we use the term sacrifice, it's not like what, we've, what we normally associate that word with in our society. 
People will say now, you know, I'm, I'm only going to go through the buffet, buffet line twice because it's a sacrifice, okay? Or I'm only going to buy two outfits today because it's a tough time and we're sacrificing. Now, the word sacrifice is a biblical term. It is through the Levitical system. If you were to take the time and study it, you would understand through Levitical law, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. We realize this in the Old Testament. That is the reason they had one day out of the year called the Day of the Atonement. Many of you have heard of this before. The Day of the Atonement would happen on a day where a high priest would enter inside the tabernacle and go into the inner chamber called the Holy of Holies. And and that high priest would have an animal in his arms, usually a lamb, and would lay that lamb upon the altar, and that lamb would be sacrificed. The the blood would would, would be spilled, and that blood would be used to cover the sins of the people. Now, they all knew the blood of that animal could not take away their sins. It was not a surprise to anyone that they all knew that. In fact, um, look look up in verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 10. The writer says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Everyone knew the animal sacrifice could not take away their sins. It was used as a covering. That's the reason they had to do it every year. But there was a prophecy of a coming Messiah. And if we were to take the time, you don't have to turn there for the sake of time, but right in the margin of your Bible, Isaiah 53. Because in Isaiah 53, the, the, the Messiah is prophesied by these, this phrase, he will be led as a lamb to the slaughter. Now that really doesn't surprise us in 2019. But if I could take you back to their time frame. When they were reading the prophet Isaiah's account of saying, he will be led as a lamb to the all of a sudden to a Hebrew mindset, it was, it, it was eye-opening. Because simply in the Hebrew language, uh, it's not like ours this morning. Now, when I say ours, English, okay? I know some of us have a, a you know, a, a vernacular similar to English, but I'm talking about in the English language, there are three uh, different type of forms. There's masculine, feminine, neuter. He, she, and what? It. Very good. Okay. So, uh, in, in the English mindset, he, she, it. In the Hebrew mindset, there's only two forms. There's only masculine and feminine. There's no neuter. So when you're talking about an animal, you can't say it, you can't say he, you, you got to say the lamb, you got to say the cat, the dog, the goat, whatever you're talking about. So when Isaiah says he will be led as a lamb to the slaughter, all of a sudden the, 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 the average person realized this coming Messiah is not going to be an animal sacrifice, it's going to be a living, breathing flesh and blood, and man, and you take that to John chapter 1, when John the Baptist is baptizing his disciples in the River Jordan. Do you remember when Jesus came on the scene, how he announced Jesus? He said, behold the Lamb of God, which is to come to take away the sins of the world, not to be used as a covering, but when Jesus is sacrificed, it will be used to take away the sins of the world. So when Jesus died on the cross, it is a sacrificial death. And I know some of you are sitting here going, man, thank you so much for the Bible lesson, but how is that applicable to my life in 2019? Look right up here. It's applicable because the message will never change. 
There had to be a sacrifice for our sins. The Bible makes it very clear, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us in this room, let me give you a refresher course. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. We've all sinned. If you've ever told a lie in your entire life, not today you're trying to be good, it's Sunday, okay? But if you've ever told a lie in your entire life, would you just raise your hand right now? Just raise it. Keep it up. Keep it up. Kid, don't popcorn it. Keep it up. Look around the room, look at that, look at around the room. Do you see all the hands of the liars that came to church this morning? Do y'all see that? Oh, and by the way, if you didn't raise your hand, yeah, we've all done it. In fact, look at the person beside you and say, I love you, but you're a sinner. <laughs> it's kind of tough to do that, isn't it? I, now look at the person on the other side that you've ignored and go, I love you, but you're a sinner too, okay? All right, so, so, do you see this? We're all in this room in the same situation. We may not know each other. We may come from different parts of the state or different parts of the world, but we all have one thing in common. How did that happen? You have to go back to the very beginning in Genesis where Adam and Eve were in the garden and Eve was deceived, but Adam, the man standing right beside her, deliberately disobeyed. And from that moment, sin has flown through the veins of every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. We're sinners before a holy God. Matt, you did a wonderful job leading us in worship, and that song, Holy. Man, I, I want you to understand, I love to preach about the love of God and the forgiveness of God in which He does offer, but I have never grabbed my Bible and read three times where it says He's loving, loving, loving. I've never read three times where it says He's forgiving, 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 but every time in Scripture I read about His account, He is holy, holy, holy. You, you can't sidestep that. You can't say, I want His love and I want His forgiveness, but I don't want His holiness. He is absolutely holy, and because of His holiness, I can't come into His presence even on my best day. But here's the good news, ladies and gentlemen. When we could not come to Him, He came to us. And for 33 years, He walked among us, and He never once says, thank me. He never even says in His word, pay me. You know the message of Jesus? Follow me. Because when he went to the cross, he did something for me I could not do for myself. He did something for you you could not do for yourself. He was the sacrifice for my sin. You see, not only is he the sacrifice, I, I want you to see the second part uh, of the death of Christ, and that's down in verse 14. Listen to what the writer says here. He says, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. If you have a, a, your pen, I want you to underline the phrase, one offering, okay? Because not only is it a sacrificial death, it is a single death. Single in two aspects. One, only Jesus could do it. I, I, could, I could be sitting here today going, if I heard this message going, well, that's okay for it, Jesus did, but I'll, I'll pay my own sacrifice. I can't. I'm a sinner. You, you can't be good enough. In fact, to me, trying to be good enough to earn your salvation, the presence of a holy God, is, is like slapping Jesus on the cross on his face. Because we can't earn our salvation. 
We, we can't achieve our own salvation. It is a single death in that only Jesus could do it. He was all God like he was no man. He is all man like he is no God. Therefore, when they placed him on the cross and lifted him up, with one hand he is firmly grasped to God's deity, but with the other hand he could reach out to the sinfulness of mankind. And when they lifted him up, he became the bridge that bridged the gap between God and man together again. It's a single death, and that only Jesus could do it. Let me give you the other aspect of that again. Uh, Not only is it single in that only Jesus could do it, it's single in that it will never happen again. Now, I know you're sitting there going, okay, that is so elementary to say that Jesus will never die on the cross again. We get that, Scott. I'm glad you get it. But as as I'm trying to share my faith, as Blake and I were talking, you're talking about who's your one Who's your one person you're going to share? You know what I have discovered? When I'm sharing my faith, it's almost like I'm dealing with, with, with sometimes with, a, with, with someone who's just like, well, I just don't know if, if I know enough. And I go, what else can he do? He, 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 he is on record that he loves you. He has sent his son to die on the cross. Jesus will never die on the cross again. What are you waiting for? Maybe if this roof were to part and the skies were to part, and if you could see Jesus as he is, would that be enough to prove himself to you? Look at me, ladies and gentlemen. If you wait till that happens, you probably waited too late. So I want you to understand, there's nothing else that's going to go on. He's given us his spirit to draw you to himself. He's on record that he loves you. The first time Jesus came, he was born in a manger. The next time he comes, he'll be wrapped in majesty. The first time he came, they they rode a donkey into Jerusalem. The next time he comes, he'll be riding a white stallion to victory. The first time he came, they placed a crown of thorns upon his head. The next time he comes, he is crowned king of kings. Jesus will never die on the cross again. So if you're sitting here going, well, that may be good for y'all, but it's, I just don't know what, what, if it's enough for me. What else can he do? He has brought you here. He has shared his message with you. And Scott Dawson can't change your life. Blake, Lindsay can, uh, Blake Kersey cannot change your life. Neither can Lindsay. But uh, I'm going to tell you who can. Jesus. If you'll just trust him. It's a sacrificial death. It is a single death. Let me, let me give you the third aspect. Go down to verse 17. He says, then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. You know what else? It is a satisfying death. Jesus dying on the cross was his sacrifice. The resurrection was the validation. The sacrifice has been received. There is hope for everyone. And to those of us who have experienced Jesus in our life, I'm not talking about religious. I'm not trying trying to be moral. I'm talking about those of us in this room that have received Christ into our lives. We know he has satisfied our souls. There's so many people who are searching across this country. Suicide is almost in an epidemic proportion. Just last year, Chester Bennington, a lead singer of the rock group, committed suicide on the birthday of his good friend, Mark Cornell, who ended his life. Both of them left notes with with the basic message, there's nothing more in life worth living for. I don't know who's in this auditorium. I don't know where you are in life, but I'm telling you, if you're searching, if you're empty, if you're lonely, your search can be ended when you come to the foot of the cross. Jesus Christ can change your life. He's changed my life. Aren't you glad Jesus changed your life? 
You know what? Jesus can change their life. Jesus can change your life. Um, this past year, and I didn't mention this last year, but uh, I was running for political office, and I found myself in so many different places across our state. Our state's huge. I'm just going to tell you, it's a big state. And, uh, and when, you're, when you're running for a statewide office, you have, to, you have to find yourself in so many different places. I've been to every festival. I've been to the Butterbean Festival. I think there's one thing God never intended, and that is for something called Butterbean Banana Pudding, okay? I'm just telling you right then, okay? Uh, I went to the Strawberry Festival. I went to the Chitlin Festival. Can I get an amen there? Okay. <laughs> then I found myself at the Rattlesnake Rodeo down in Ah. I don't know who ever thought it was a good idea to put politicians and snakes in the same place. But anyway, that's a different story. But um, I, I found myself on one Sunday morning at the Florabama. Okay. They have a church at the Florabama. And I wasn't there on Friday night. Don't go there. But I, I, I was there on Sunday morning, and uh, it was a great service. And afterwards, we had to drive to Gordo, Alabama for, for a student rally. Anybody know where Gordo? Okay. We were driving, and um, when we got there, it was a student rally. So because uh, they had a, a, a um, candidate for office, they, they decided they had to have security. And that can only happen in Gordo, Alabama, Okay. But they hired a police officer, and you, you can't make this up. His name, his name, Officer Pooh Bear, okay? He looked just like Winnie the Pooh. He, he was an African-American guy, and he just, he did. He looked like, like, like Pooh Bear. So he was my detail throughout the entire night. And after I spoke, I was, um, I, I, was, I was going to the counseling room. And so I slipped out. And when I was going into the counseling room, I'll never forget this. Pooh Bear was standing in the doorway. His back was to me, so I was going to tap him on the shoulder because I thought he was kind of, you know, making sure there was a blockade so people couldn't interrupt counseling. And when I tapped him on the shoulder, he turned around. And have you ever seen someone that has cried so much there are like salt stains on their cheeks? And I looked at him and I went, Pooh Bear. I said, come on, come on, let's, let's, let's walk outside. So we walked outside, and I started hearing his story. And he said, Scott, we're in Gordo. He said, not a lot of stuff happens in Gordo. But he said, every night when I go on my shift, I always think I may not make it out alive. And he said, tonight you were talking about how you can have peace, and how you can have hope, and how you can have purpose. He said, I've never had that in my life, ever. And I want it. That night I had the privilege of being able to lead Pooh Bear to the Lord. And as we were driving home, I don't, I don't know why I ran for office. I, I'm beginning to get glimpses of it. But I remember when we were riding home, Tara and I were in the back seat, and that's my wife, and we were talking. And I said, you know, in ministry, we always say, if one comes to know Christ, it's worth it. If one comes to know Christ, it's worth it. I said, Could, couldn't you see how our God, somehow, some way, would devise a, an, an evangelist running for governor to somehow be in a place called Gordo, Alabama, where a police officer who would never attend a religious service would be paid security to hear the message of Jesus dying on the cross, resurrecting and offer peace and purpose and hope. 
and coming into a personal relationship with Jesus. You know what? If it was all done for Pooh Bear, it's worth it. That's how our God works. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know where you are in life. Maybe you're the one that's on a journey that you don't know why you're on it. Maybe you're walking through this thing called life and there are so many storms and trials you're walking through. You're going, I just don't understand the purpose of this. It could be for the Pooh Bear in your, in your, in your roadway. I may be speaking to someone who's here this morning. You don't know why you're here. You, you, you don't understand. How did you get to First Baptist Church Decatur on a Sunday morning? Maybe in God's d- divine plan, he knew that you had to be here to listen to, to, to someone that was probably not the norm and, and coming in and speaking a little bit different. You've heard better sermons. I'm not trying to get in a competition of who preaches the best sermon. But maybe you're just here this morning so it can craft in your mind that you can have hope. You can have peace and you can have forgiveness. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, not only is it a sacrifice, not only is it a single, it is a satisfying death. Let me give you one final one, and then I'm done. It's down. I I didn't read this passage of Scripture. I should have. Look down in verse 28, okay? Uh, uh, listen, Listen to what the writer says here. He says, anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, okay? But look in verse 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose... Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? Let me give you one final point, and then I'm done. What my, what my greatest fear is right now is the church is about to go into Easter, and we're going to celebrate the sacrifice, the single death, the satisfying death. But we've forgotten the last point, and that's it's a sacred death. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's not something we just pass by. It's not something we tip our hat to once a year. Jesus is supposed to be our Lord. Um, I was with a guy named Tom Elliff. He's retired, and we were in a conference together, and he used an illustration when he was a pastor that I asked him for permission. And I'm going to tell you, as I close in this, this is one of those illustrations that are going to be... um, I'm just not trying to manipulate anyone. So I'm going to tell you right at the start, it's a gripping story, but just hold on, okay? Uh, He tells a story about when he was pastor of First Southern Dell City, Oklahoma. That he had a a family in his church had a boy that just loved to ride bicycles. And you know how boys are with bikes. They just love to ride bikes. And the problem was the car was coming around the corner, didn't see the young boy, and there was an accident. You know what happens when there's an accident. People just flock to the scene, and he said the, the, the husband, the, the father, and the mother arrived on the scene, and, and he said as the father looked over one man's shoulder, he saw his son lying there in the asphalt. They called the ambulance, but they weren't waiting for the ambulance. They, he picked the boy up into his arms, placed the boy in the back seat. The mom had to hurry just to catch up with him, and they took off towards the hospital. They called the hospital, told them what was going on. They were waiting for him. They had a stretcher for the young boy, placed him on it, wheeled him into the operating room, told the parents to go to the waiting room. They would be with them shortly. I don't know how long it lasted. I wasn't there. I'm not a part of this. But as Tom Elliff described it, he said the church started showing up. And as the crowd started to gather, the surgeon came out and had to give the saddest words any human being would ever have to share. He said, I'm sorry we've done all we could, but but we lost him.
At that moment, you know, everyone was trying to do whatever they could, but the father simply said he wanted some time alone with his wife. And so as he was driving her home from the hospital, going back to their house, at some point right before they reached their driveway, he pulled off on the side of the road and he just was engulfed in emotion. Again, I don't know how long it lasted, but he said as he lifted his face from his hands, he looked out the windshield and he said it was almost like a magnetic attraction. He started to focus in where he'd seen his son lying in the street. And as he became more focused, he started seeing that dry cake blood on the asphalt. But then he was distracted because cars were coming home. That, they, they, didn't, they didn't know what was, they were not trying to be disrespectful. They were just coming down the street. But it got all over the dad. Tom Ellis said he jumped out of the car. He started racing down the street and he stood over where his son was, was, was on the pavement with the dry cake blood, he tore off his jacket, started waving down the cars, screaming, this is my son's blood. My son died here. This is my son. And I'm not trying to be emotionally manipulating, but that story drives home the point that I'm trying to give you this morning, is that Jesus' death on the cross is not something you can just pass by. There's no neutrality with Christ. He has brought you here this morning for you to hear that Jesus loved you so much he'd rather die than to live without you. And he went to the cross and he went to the tomb and on the third day he resurrected and he can offer you hope. It'd be one thing if it's just for those without Christ, but what about those of us in the body of Christ? Those of us who know we did nothing to earn our salvation. It's all a gift of God based on the death and the resurrection of Christ that now we seem to think we can do anything and everything we want to do. Oh my goodness. Woe to the man or the woman who just zips through the blood of Christ. We all say we want revival. We we, we all say we want it. You know what Vance Havner used to say? If Baptists knew what revival cost, they'd probably stop praying for it. Because most of us want it to come through convenience. But you know when revival comes? When there's consecration. When there's surrender. When they're saying, God, I want you to intercede in every part of my life. I surrender. So as we approach this Easter season, let me ask you, do you understand it's a single death, a sacrificial death, a satisfying death? Do you understand it's a sacred death? Jesus can change your life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Matt and the invitation team's going to come. We're about to get started in the invitation. I know you're busy. We're all busy. We live in a busy culture. But we left enough time to where we can come into this invitation time and, and not have to rush through it. Just a few moments, Pastor Blake's going to be standing here in front of you. And at that moment, there's a time of invitation. I, I know what you're sitting there thinking. You're thinking, well, you know what? I can, I can probably just last through this invitation. We can get on with our way. And quite honestly, you're probably correct. But what more can God do? He's brought you here. He's been speaking to you, not through Scott. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not arrogant thinking Scott shows up and God starts to speak. God's been speaking to some of you for a long time. You've always known your life needs to change. You, there, there needs to be a life change happening in you. You know what I've realized before your life can change? There has to be a turning point. I wonder if this morning could be the turning point in your life. Pastor Blake's going to be standing here at the front. If you're in this room and you don't know Christ personally, 
I'd love for you to step out this morning, come forward, grab his hand and say, I need Jesus. We're not going to parade you around the room. We're not going to put a spotlight on you. We're just simply going to tell you how Jesus can change your life. Maybe you're sitting here this morning going, you know, we've been looking for a church home. This morning could be your turning point to come, to, to, to come and publicly declare, I'm going, to, I'm going to link arms spiritually with First Baptist Church Decatur. Others may be here this morning going, you know, I just need somebody to pray with me. Life's tough. I'm going to tell you this. Life is tough with Jesus. It's unbearable without him. Maybe you're sitting here this morning going, I just need somebody to talk with me, pray with me. I need someone to talk to me about people caring. Ladies and gentlemen, whenever you read the Old Testament, you know what you read? God's people, when they gather together, they expected God to speak. Did you expect God to speak to you this morning? I'll go one more step. In the Old Testament, God's faithful people had already anticipated their response to God's voice. Did you come in this room this morning going, God, if you speak to me, whatever you tell me, I'll be faithful? Or did you come in here going, well, God, good luck? This morning, as we go to the invitation, it's for those in this room who are empty, who are searching, who are lonely, who need Jesus. It's also for those of us in this room that are going, man, I got Jesus, but I'm just struggling. This is not a country club. This is a mash hospital for wounded souls. As Jesus speaks to your heart, I'm going to ask you to come boldly. Let's pray, and then we're going to get started. Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for the man or woman in this room who's empty, who's afraid of life. God, would you draw them by your love, by your grace, by the power of your spirit to yourself. I pray in just a few moments when we stand up, as soon as their knees become straight, they will leave their seat. They'll come forward and they'll have someone talk with them and how you can step out of heaven and into their heart. God, I pray for those of us in this room that are searching. I pray for those of us in this room that are hurting. God, may this invitation be something that's not written in a bulletin. But God, will you show up and you show off and set the prisoners free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Blake's here. Christ is calling. Matt's singing. You come right now.